All right, folks. Today is April the 8th, 2021. And welcome back to uh, your case of the monthlies. That's right. This is episode 16 of This Week in Fakeball. I am your host, Jeff Hobbs, the only member in RBA history to have ever uh, taken a whiz off of the Great Wall of China. Yes, it's true. I'll, I will spare you the details, although actually they're pretty innocuous. That started a, uh, that started a, a, a rueful, regrettable trend uh, that lasted a few years. In my defense, I was 18, uh, going on 19 years old when I, when I did it. And uh, actually, it's still the proudest moment of my life. So what do we got for you today? It is, uh, yeah, it's early April. I guess the big news here is that RBA weekend is upon us, or pretty close, uh, I guess, in eight days from now. RBA weekend begins, and we'll have the auction and the draft uh, the next day. So Saturday, April 17th, I believe, will be the uh, not only the draft and the auction, but also, of course, the RBA championship between, I don't even remember who, uh, the Berea Bombers, because they beat me in the first round, and the uh, some other team, uh, the Dunedin Clear Blues, I believe. All right. So anyway, congratulations to both of those teams for having made it this far. And one of them will obviously be crowned the 2020 champion of the RBA. Okay. So what do I want to do here? This is going to be a slightly different episode uh, from most, but I am going to begin by going back to uh, 2008, I already discussed the 2008 season in which yours truly was crowned uh, was crowned champion. Uh, but I'm going to talk about the 2008 Ass and Champions matches. Um, so I'll preview all of that, and then for the second part of this episode, I want to go into the uh, I want to give some some basic tips um, to the expansion coaches about about the APBA baseball game in particular. And actually, some of this might even come in handy for people who've been in the league for a while, because I don't know about them, but it took me years to learn some of these some of these intricacies of, of APBA baseball. And I had to learn them from people who've been around a lot longer than I have, people who are now in their 60s and 70s. So I'll get to all of that. Uh, but before I do, let's kick it off with, as I mentioned, uh, the 2008 Ass Match and Champions Match. So again, this is part of the replay series that I've been doing over the last, uh, about the last year. We are through 2008, and that means it's time to see if the um, if the Ass going up through 2007, the current Ass of that block of the league's history, uh, can remain the Ass going forward. And the same thing goes for the Champion. So I'm going to begin here by announcing the teams. So let's start with the undercard, which, of course, is the ass match. Okay, uh, the 2008 Challenger with an RBA record of, get this, 20 wins and 61 losses. That is, so that's something special. 20 wins and 61 losses. I remind you, this is baseball, and teams should not have a winning percentage that low. Uh, with an average of 56.0 replay wins out of 162, your 2008 Orlando Calrissians. This was the team that Chad Kanick used to call the worst team of all time. I think he, he believed that this was the worst team of all time. And I remember him saying once that with most terrible teams, you've got a couple of valuable pieces and this team had none. Uh, this was Now, this was a bit of hyperbole on, on Chad's part. 
because they did have a few a few nice pieces, but well, maybe a couple. Uh, he's not he's not far off though. This team was atrocious, and let me uh, well speaking of atrocious, let me let me give you their roster. All right, so what did the 08 Calrissians look like? Well, their lineup against right-handed pitching was Mike Young, Michael Young, uh, Freddie Sanchez, Manny Ramirez. This team did have Manny on it. Marcus Thames, who was actually a pretty good hitter. And then, oh, my God, uh, Randy Wynn, who was kind of over the hill by then. Jerry Owens, who was awful. Wes Helms, who was <laughs> signed to a one-year contract because he'd helped Adam win the championship the year before. And Chris Ionetta catching. Uh, the pitchers on this team were, give me a second here, uh, Roy Halladay was the big gun. Halladay was on the team, so was Kyle Kendrick and a bunch of other guys. Uh, Joe Saunders, Chad Godan of the Gurney incident, if anybody remembers this from a long time ago, and Mike Bassick. Um, this team did have one great relief pitcher, and Trevor Hoffman. So the team was basically Hoffman in the bullpen, Halladay as the ace of the rotation, and Manny Ramirez as the number three hitter in the lineup. Uh, and beyond that, it was pretty much a corpse of a team. All right, so they are going to go up against and try to become the new ass of the league against a uh, a worthy opponent, folks. You, uh, let's see here. Let me let me go ahead and, and preface this with the fact that this uh, the defending ass of the league up through 2007 had an RBA record of 24 wins and 57 losses an average of 58, uh, 58.5 out of 162 uh, replay wins. Your, and I do mean your, 2006 Arizona Greenbacks, a team I, of course, got to manage. Oh, man, it was, uh, it was ugly. All right, so what did this team actually look like on the inside? Well, not much. Uh, here's the lineup against righties. Big names, but some of these guys didn't have such great seasons. Uh, Derek Jeter. Todd Helton, Eric Chavez, and Ivan Rodriguez batted one for one through four. Those are like two Hall of Famers and a couple of very good players. Again, not, not great seasons, though, for some of them. Brad Hopp batted fifth. Alex Rios batted sixth. Kevin Millar hit seventh. And Marco Scudero played second base and batted eighth. The rotation consisted of, oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm not even sure the order in which these guys went, but uh, Bronson Arroyo, a couple years before he actually got good for a couple years. Rodrigo Lopez, Brad Radke, well, after he'd been good. Jake Westbrook and Vicente Padilla. Yeah, so let's see how the ass match actually went. Now, I'm going to go fairly quickly through this because I have a lot to talk about later in the podcast, and I don't want to shortchange that part of this episode. So let me just kind of give the results here. Well, I do have to mention game one of this series between 08 Orlando and 06 Arizona because the final score was 16 to 10. This was one of the most ridiculous games I've ever seen played by two of the most ridiculous teams I've ever seen. Uh, Orlando finished with the 16, which was probably about as many runs as they scored during the entire 2008 RBA season, but they do get the win and they win game two, three to one. The polar opposite of game one, this was a pitcher's duel. By the way, Roy Halladay started game one, and Arizona scored 10 runs off of, not all off of him, but but all, but in that start. Uh, so Arizona's got a 2-0 lead in the series, and uh, Orlando's got a 2-0 lead in the series, and Arizona's threatening to, to, <laughs> to still be the ass. Uh, Arizona wins game three, though, one to nothing. 
So a couple pitchers duels. Actually, we had a lot of close games in this series. Now that I'm looking at it, a ton of them. So so after the 16 to 10 game, it's three to one Orlando in game two, one nothing Arizona in game three, and then six to five Orlando in game four. Real barn burners here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Orlando goes up three one in the series, and Arizona faces. You can't really call it elimination. They're faced with having to go forward. Arizona does win game five, seven to six, another one run game, our third in a row. Uh, And then Arizona wins game six, five to four. So we have four straight one run games. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to a game seven. And game seven was three to two. Yet another one run game. This was actually a great series between, I guess, what you would call two evenly matched teams. And the winner of that game seven by a score again of three to two was 08 Orlando. So 2006 Arizona vanquishes the 08 Calrissians, uh, setters of the RBA record for worst record in a season, a record which lasted about eight years uh, after having vanquished the 07 expansion Gulf Coast Collective and the, uh, the 02 expansion Chicago Wave. So Congrats, I think, to 06 Arizona. This is getting to be pretty fun. All right, let's go over to the champions match. All right, so the 08 challenger to the throne with an RBA record of only 46 wins and 35 losses, but 97 average replay wins out of 162. The 2008 Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, this was a good team, a team that sometimes gets forgotten, but they did go to the they did go to the championship and took Arizona to eight uh, to eight to, to seven games in the championship. Anyway, uh, let's take a look at this team. So the 08 uh, Wild Wings. Let me pull up their lineup against righties. Well, they led off with a guy named Reggie Willits. They also had Orlando Hudson, Alex Rod. The, the middle of their order was pretty uh, frightening. Alex Rodriguez, then Ryan Howard, then Victor Martinez in his prime. Pat Burrell could, I'm sure, still hit. Jeff Kepinger had had a really good year in 07 in the majors. And Andre Athier batted eighth. Their, their, um, their rotation, I think, was really their strength, though. They had Jake Peavy, Tim Linscombe, both, both in their primes. Ian Snell, Ian Snell, Blake Snell, rather. Cook, Aaron Cook, must have been, and Carlos Silva. Anyway, so those were your uh, 2008 Buffalo Wild Wings, coached by Jason Fisher, who was in the league, I think, five or six years. All right, now the defending champion up to this point, up through 2007, with an RBA record 51 wins and 30 losses, and get this, 96.5 average replay wins, so another very close matchup here. Um, the 2004, yes, this team is still fighting on the 2004 Elm Grove Cardinals coached by Chad Canick. All right. So what are we looking at here with, uh, with 04 Elm Grove? The rotation was Matt Morris, Tim Redding, Sean Chacon, Pedro Martinez, and Barry Zito. I'm using, I, I again, I sort of optimized these, uh, these rotations, uh, based on APBA grades. So this may not have been exactly what he used, but anyway, it's probably pretty close. Uh, Eric Gagne in the bullpen deserves a mention, as does, of course, Mariano Rivera. Gether Bina was also very good. This was a very strong team. Anyway, against right-handed uh, pitching, the lineup was Johnny Damon, Ichiro Suzuki, Alex Rodriguez. So we've got a Rodriguez versus Rodriguez, and that's Alex in both cases, series. Jim Tomey, Eric Chavez, Craig Wilson, Orlando Hudson, and Larry Bigby. Remember Larry Bigby? Probably not. In any case, that's what we have. And let me tell you, 
uh, what transpired here. How did this go down? All right. So game one was a was another barn burner, three to two, and it went to 08 Buffalo. Game two, 08 Buffalo won as well by a count of five to two before uh, 04 Elm Grove won in game three, five to one. 08 Buffalo takes a 3 to 1 lead in the series with a 4-0 shutout in game 4. And then Elm Grove comes back and takes a game 5, 4 to 3. So it's 3 games to 2 now. Elm Grove still with their backs against the wall. Defeat the 08 Wild Wings 8 to 2 in game 6. And so we have a game 7 again. And uh this one was 3 to 1 and it was won by 08 Buffalo. So 04 Elm Grove deserves a quick mention here because they beat, let's see, they beat 03 Elm Grove to become the champions of this series going forward. Uh, they beat Elm, 03 Elm Grove 4-2. Then they beat 05 Arizona 4-3. Then they beat 06 Chicago 4-2. And then they beat uh, 07 Vegas, that vaunted team uh, that Cooper had. Uh, four to two. So they won four of these matches before finally succumbing to 08 Buffalo. So congratulations to the 04 Elm Grove Cardinals. They will not be replay champions going forward, but they had quite an impressive run. Thus ends, uh, thus ends that part of the uh, podcast. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the end of 2008 going into 2009. Um, Sometime soon, I'll just mention that JR at this point in the RBA's history stepped down as coach of Chicago. Bob Parker and Chris Baker came in to coach Chicago, which they immediately moved to Fort Duquesne. And they, Fort Duquesne still exists, of course. Dunedin ascended to the top ranks of the RBA, and Arizona and State College stayed on the same competing rebuilding cycle for one more year. But that is a story for another month, probably June, actually, probably a couple months from now. Um, Anyway, on to the next segment of the podcast where I, wherein I talk about um, APBA baseball in general. So I'm going to skip over most of the obvious stuff. Expansion teams are, by definition, building. Um, they're going to want to avoid relief pitchers, et cetera. They're going to want to focus on you know players who can be good in the future, um, not necessarily young players, but predominantly young players, I would say. Um, I think I think our expansion teams probably know that already, so I won't patronize them. Um, instead, I'll talk a little bit about the APBA baseball game because this can get pretty cryptic pretty quickly, and I'm sure they already know this. Um, there are letters and numbers flying around everywhere if you go into the game and just look at it. So what I'm going to try to do is discuss, and, and while I do this, while I set this up, I'm going to actually pull up. The, uh, the advanced draft feature here. So I'm going to pull up the advanced draft feature, which I'm sure a lot of these people have already had a look at. But anyway, so let me set this up by, by mentioning that the only reason I know a lot of this stuff is because I joined another baseball league, Modern Era Baseball League, back in 2005. And this league was founded actually back in, I think, 1975. And my dad was one of the charter members. And a lot of the people in this league are currently in their 60s and 70s, and they the, the thing that they the thing that they've really got going for them is that they used to play APBA baseball back when it was a board game, and at least the early iterations of the computer game were based on the board game. Now, one thing that nobody knows, as far as I can tell, is 
is to what extent the current version of the computer game still mirrors the old board game. There's no doubt that it mirrors it to some extent, but nobody knows how much. And so when I hear things from these uh, people, we have an annual get together in March in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They'll often talk about the computer game and they'll reference the old board games and they'll, and they'll talk about chance numbers and probabilities and things like that, that again, were based on rolling dice way back in the day. Um, one number that the, the number that you hear most often in reference to APBA baseball is the number 36. And that's because in the old, old days, you rolled two six-sided dice. So there were 36 possible outcomes. And so a lot of the chance numbers, even today on the computer game, are based out of 36. Um, some people who've been in the league for a while will immediately think of uh, stolen bases, your odds of stealing a base successfully. But I'll get to that. Anyway, a lot of these older members of the TCBA have, um, have given us some wisdom over the years, but it took me many years and many of these meetings to learn a lot of this stuff. So let me try to start with, uh, with some basic stuff here. Let me, let me begin with pitcher grades, okay? Now, some of this is fairly obvious. The higher the pitcher grade, the better, okay? Average uh, typically is about an eight. Um, it does vary a little bit from year to year, but, and especially given that we don't use the entire player pool of the major leagues in the RBA. So that causes some variation as well. Uh, but basically, um, you can think of eight as, as average, you know, or about average anyway. Um, let me just pull something up here. Okay. What else? Um, that's, that's probably kind of goes without saying the higher grade, the better. Let me get into the other ratings. Uh, the control rating. Okay. Uh, so some of you, you may want to write this down or just come back to this podcast in the future if you have questions, because this can get pretty confusing, to be honest. Uh, anyway, I'm going to read these ratings from worst to best, okay? So the, a control rating of W basically stands for wild, all right? This guy walks a lot of, a lot of batters. Then after wild, you have blank, which is basically average control, right? And then you have Z, which is good control. There have been rumors of double W's and double Z's. I don't know if those really exist. I've heard that they do, but they don't show up on the game, so it's hard to know for sure. The home run ratings from worst to best go M, L, and then blank, which is average, G, and H. H is obviously, H is the best, okay? So M, L, blank, G, H. And the strikeout rating, goes from blank to Y. So a pitcher with a Y strikes out an average number of batters, basically, to X to XY, all right? XY, an XY is a strikeout machine. Okay, now there are plenty of other things that we have to look at. So MRR, uh, MRR, RF, and MBF, what do these mean? Okay, huh. all right, MRR is a measure of temporary fatigue. I don't know what those letters stand for. But it's a measure of temporary fatigue. Uh, it's it tells you when you'll get tired in that game. Okay, now it's is a little tricky because for starting pitchers, if your MRR is below 30, you'll be tired for the next game as well. In other words, if you get ready to play a game and you have a pitcher whose MRR is currently 26, he won't be able to. Well, he'll be able to pitch that game, but he'll be tired. He'll lose, I think, five points. Okay. And if he's below 25, I think he can't start at all. Something like that, okay? The point is, you're not going to want to start anybody whose MRR is under 30. Um, but again, this is a measure of temporary fatigue. So for starting pitchers, it's usually somewhere around 33. 
for relief pitchers, it's usually 10, but it, it can vary. Um, and then you have MBF, maximum batters faced. This is permanent fatigue. This is when you're out for the season. So if a player has an MBF of 500, he could face 500 batters for that season. Now, if he's faced his 500th batter and he's still on the mound in, a, in his, you know, what will be his last game, he can keep going, but he won't be able to be used after that game. RF, RF stands for recovery factor. Okay. And this is per game off or rather per day off. Okay. So if you have an off day, you'll still recover that number of batters um, until you max out your MRR again. All right. So if you're at 25 and your recovery factor is eight, you'll be at 33 uh, for the next game. And if your MRR is 34, then you'll be at 34 the day after that. Okay. If you, if you're not used in the game in between. Okay. Split grades. Oh dear God. We got to talk about split grades. Um, okay. So some pitchers can be starters and relievers and they'll have a slash between two numbers, right? Um, let's use Tom Eshelman as an example, because I'm looking at returning veterans. His, his grade is five slash six star. Okay. The star is a reliever grade. So he's a five as a starter or a six. If you bring him out of the bullpen. Um, let's see here. The recovery factor that you see is his recovery factor if he's been used as a reliever in the last game. Um, if not, then what you have to do is, and I, it took me years to learn this, but that recovery factor, if he's used as a starting pitcher, or if he was used as a starting pitcher last, um, it's based on the injury rating, which you have to click on the pitcher to see the injury rating. Then you have to find another pitcher with the same injury rating who's not a split grade and see what his recovery factor is. It's a little confusing, but that's how you do it, all right? This is the sort of thing you may want to write down at some point because, for future reference because you'll forget, or at least I, I do. Um, split grades are only allowed to, I believe, start as many games as they started in the major leagues. This is a rule in the RBA, I'm pretty sure. JR can correct me if that's not the case. So let's quickly let's quickly use Eshelman as an example. I'm going to open Eshelman because he's got all kinds of letters flying around. So he's a five six. First of all, he's a split grade. Uh, five as a starter, six as a reliever. He started four games in the majors, so he can start four in the RBA. That may be that may not be the case this year because this year is weird. He is a Z, so good control. He is an L, so below average in terms of he gives up a lot of home runs, not as many as an M, but a lot. Um, the move to first. Uh, he's a plus two. That means he takes two points off of a of a hit of a base runner's uh, stealing, uh, not percentage, but out of thirty six. So it's like like six percent. He removes from a, a player's uh, odds of successfully stealing a base on him. That's a pretty that's a very good move to first number. Um, wild pitch hit batsman and balk. As far as I know, the higher those numbers are, the worse. Uh, but I don't I don't generally look at those numbers very much. Um, now, position players. I'll come back to Eshelman in a minute, but position players, really quickly. Defensive grades, the higher the number, the better, okay? Catchers generally range from five to nine. Fives are pretty rare. Nines are also rare. And they also have a throwing number, which, which also affects the, your, the player's uh, chances out of 36 of stealing, a, uh, of stealing a base on him. First base ranges from two to five. Uh, let's see. Second base ranges from six to nine. I have seen a five, but it's rare. Shortstop basically ranges from six to 10. 10 is extremely rare. Uh, third base ranges from three to five. Outfield ranges from one to three. 
And the arm can range anywhere from about 26 to 39. Um, the, the extremes, of course, are very rare. Average is about 32, okay, for an arm. Um, and those, the, the arms do matter. Um, so those are your basic uh, defensive grades by each position. So let's see, speed. Uh, average speed is about a 10, I would say. 10 or 11, maybe. Uh, PR is the percentage of time you can play in a season. And so a number like 379 means 37.9 or basically 38% of the season. The platoon number, man, there are a lot of these numbers. Okay, your platoon number is how many points better you make the other pitcher's grade if he throws from the same side of the plate that you bat. All right, so if you're a right-handed batter facing a right-handed pitcher and your platoon number is two, your pitcher's grade goes up two points, so like from a seven to a nine or something, okay? Uh, the hit and run number, basically you can only do a hit and run if your guy's hit and run number is two or three. Three is rare, right? Um, let's see, stealing. Oh, God, do I want to talk about stealing? Um, okay, uh, basically the steal success number is what I'll focus on here. That's your chances out of 36. And I should also mention that you're allowed to steal 125%. You're, you're allowed to have 125% as many steal attempts as you did in the major leagues rounded up. Again, the rules might be different for this year. You'll have to ask JR about that. So quick example, Nate, uh, Nate Lowe has a 26 steal success. Now Eshelman is a plus two. So if Lowe were to try to steal on Eshelman, he would be 24 out of 36, which is two and three, right? Two thirds chance. But if the catcher was Elias Diaz, who has a minus four arm, he jumps back up from a 24 to a 28, okay? So you have these two numbers working either in favor of or against the hitter's steal or the base runner's steal success chance. So 28 out of 36 would be uh, Nate Lowe's chance of successfully stealing second base. If you try to steal third, that number goes down by five out of 36, okay? And trying to steal home is something I don't even want to get into now. Um, generally, don't, don't try to do it, though, as a general rule. Um, okay, one other little bit of advice I'll give. Um, pitchers get a bump of five points if they come into the middle of an inning. So if they don't come in at the very, you know, before a batter has been faced, but if they come in after at least one batter has been faced in, the, in that half inning, they get a bump of five points on their first batter, just their first batter, and then their grade goes back to normal. That's something I didn't learn for many years, and it, it's enough to sway you, at least it's enough to sway me to sometimes try and do that, to bring in pitchers in the middle of the inning rather than the beginning. Again, it's not a huge thing, but five points is not trivial, that's for sure. So anyway, that is a lot. Um, the other thing I guess I can mention quickly is pitcher versus batter fatigue. Um, pitcher's fatigue throughout a season in a much more uh, unrestricted way. So if you have a batter or if you have a pitcher with like 200 MBF, you can basically blow those 200 MBF out in the first you know, quarter of the season if you want. You can pitch them all the time, you know, make, make, make them part of your starting rotation and just blow them out, no problem. Hitters, on the other hand, are monitored in terms of how much they've played versus what their PR is. So if you've got a hitter with a PR of 40% and you've played him, say, 45%, of the time, he's going to show up as tired at some point. He'll go he'll go from being just fine to being available, which means watch out. He, he could get tired if you keep using him, 
to tired, and then in extreme cases, bushed or worn out. Anyway, that's stuff that we'll get to. The nice thing if you're an expansion coach is that you can, you can sort of learn all this stuff as you go, and you know you won't be good in your first season anyway. And so whatever mistakes you could make, whatever mistakes you make in the early going, uh, don't really matter much, right? Um, it won't be until your second or third seasons where you're trying to, you know, probably third season really where you're really trying to contend. So anyway, I just wanted to give those pointers. And again, some of the veteran coaches of the league probably uh, didn't know some of this stuff either. So I'm always happy to help out. I think that's going to do it for this episode of This Week in Fake Ball. I know that was a lot of information, but you're welcome, I guess. All right. I will see you all in eight days or nine days for RBA weekend. Have a good one. Thank mm-hmm. you.